5. Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, we continue our uh, looking together in Scripture from Matthew 5 on uh, becoming the happiest person on earth. How do you become the happiest person? What does the Bible say concerning happiness? And uh, happiness, in much of its way, is defined by blessings from God. And truthfully, uh, we, uh, those blessings from God are continual. Uh, but happiness and the life of happiness is not a pursuit as in if we, if we follow a certain step of things that we will have happiness. Truthfully, uh, God simply gives to us just promises in his word in Matthew 5 of what the happiness and the happiest individual, uh, what um, that happy life looks like. And so, as we look together in Matthew 5, uh, we'll be looking in verse number 7. I, I want to just uh, give you, as I've done these past several weeks, some different things that I've pulled offline as, as to what the world defines of happiness. And uh, one article that I read, 10 Rules for Happier Living. And uh, these are some of those 10 things. Give something away. No strings attached. Uh, do a kindness and forget it. <laughs> uh, spend a few minutes with the aged. <laughs> uh, their experience is a priceless guidance. Uh, look intently into the face of a baby and marvel. Uh, laugh often. Uh, it, uh, it, it's life's lubricant. Uh, give thanks. A thousand times a day is not enough. Uh, pray or you will lose your way. Uh, uh, work. Uh, plan a, as though you'll live forever, be, uh, because you will, and live as though you'll die tomorrow. You know, uh, this is based from a secular mindset without anything of God in view. And uh, truthfully, there are people, it's, it's so interesting, when you search even online, you know, where can I find happiness? There's all kinds of things that come up. And uh, the, so many people writing articles, news articles even, uh, you know, Forbes just recently put one out themselves and where happiness is found. And, and truthfully, people are trying to find happiness in everything uh, that this world has to offer. But I say to you, as I've said the, these last number of weeks, true happiness is found in God and through the Christian life, amen, through a relationship with him. And if happiness, if you're not finding uh, joy in serving Christ, joy in living for God, uh, then you should be asking yourself, do you even have a relationship with God as you should? Verse number seven, I'm going to read it the first time and then we'll read it together the second time. The word of God says, blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. Ready, everyone together. Blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. Let's pray. Our heavenly gracious Father, we thank you uh, that we can gather here together. We ask this morning that your Holy Spirit would have complete reign, that you would work through me, that you would work through each of our hearts, that you would speak to us, identify to us uh, what it is that you would have for us today. And Lord, I pray for the whether the level of relevance may be considered in our mind to be greater than the other. May we see this as your word and that which uh, we should be seeking to apply altogether. And so, Lord, help us to be engaged this morning in what you would have for us. And we ask and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. When we think about mercy, and particularly God's mercy, what do we mean? What, what is the mercy of God? I think, uh, truthfully, to understand mercy, we have to understand grace. And, and uh, rightfully so, you can hardly have grace without having mercy. They're almost two sides of a coin. I think it's, it's fair to say we probably, in many times, maybe more talk about the grace of God than we really do the mercy of God. But what are the two? How do we define the two? And when we look into Scripture, the Bible says that we are to be merciful. 
So we know the greatest pattern that we are to follow, the greatest example of all is God himself. So as God was merciful to us, what does that mean for us? What is that mercy? When we consider first of what grace is, grace is love when love is undeserved. Grace is love when love is undeserved. It's, it's someone who's choosing to be uh, graciously uh, giving, even though that individual or even though that particular instance of time, it, it, there is no, uh, th that person does not truthfully deserve it. That person does not truthfully, uh, should have it because of all that they are. And, and this, when we think of God's grace, God is gracious in his love that he would still love us even though we don't deserve his love. Amen? Amen. But that mercy of God, mercy specifically is grace in action. Mercy is grace in action. If grace is love, when love is undeserved, then mercy is grace in action. I think it's truthfully said that we as Christians can be very gracious people, but not so merciful. <laughs> we can be very gracious, but not so merciful. That is to say, we can be very loving, even when love is undeserved, but our actions don't show it. Uh, mercy is, is that action which is being put into. Uh, we, we can't think of mercy without not just thinking of our relationship with God, but also our relationship with others. And this is the reference that is being made, that we would show mercy, that we would be merciful. The Bible says, blessed, happy are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. What defines the happiest person on earth? I say to you, first of all, uh, of two things. I've just got two things this morning. Lord willing, we're short, right? Amen. Two things. Boy, the pastor's really cutting us cheap. No, uh, hopefully the shorter that gives us some more attention, right? Number one, mercy through concern. Mercy through concern. When you look at that word merciful, and if you were to study that original text, though written in Greek, yet the word which was used was, was in Hebrew, because this is Jesus who's speaking, and that Hebrew word which Jesus would have used not only means to sympathize, and not only means to feel sorry for someone in trouble, but it means the ability to get right inside the other person's skin. I mean, you are going right inside of them to know exactly what they are feeling, what they are going through. It's, the, it's with the idea of, of, um, of going inside the other person's skin as, as though something is already in their skin. <laughs> You're going inside with them. You ever get something caught in your skin, right? One of the worst things in the world is splinters, and you just can't get them out, you can't pull them out. They're just in there. And if, and if, for the OCD people, it's like they just, it just drives them nuts. There's a, something in my hand, you know, I got a splinter uh, inside of me. It's just, it's stuck there, you know. I remember this kid in um, uh, the Christian school, which we used to work at, and, and um, I don't remember exactly how he got the splinter, but he had a splinter, and it was right in the middle of his hand, and uh, he comes in the office, and so we got the tweezers out trying to help pull it because you could see it it was just sticking out and needed to be pulled out and you know uh, you, you hardly even come any closer ah! you know I haven't even touched you yet you know you're already crying and and uh, you had, had to get him to breathe a few times okay you, you understand it's, it's not that big of a deal it's okay and you try to express to them now there's two different ways but you can respond to it will you will you just shut up and stop crying and let me work <laughs> or there's a love which I express hey I know it hurts it's okay 
breathe, breathe for a second. All right, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm going to help you. If I take this out, it's not going to hurt so bad. Okay, so just breathe for a second. That's that. That's what as we consider someone who's merciful. We're not just talking about every time a person got a splinter that you're there, but if you think of it in the big picture, how many things in life do others go through that we go so far as not to just show an expression of love, but we show an action, an action of love. When we talk about um, being brothers and sisters in Christ and fellowship with one another, there's grace that is in all of that. We're being gracious to one another. But mercy, mercy takes it all the way that I would understand exactly what that individual is going through, that I would know exactly how I can help that person. And you know, as much as we like to not admit it, we all have different things which we are going through in life. And we all desire and long for somebody upon this earth. I mean, we can find that, that peace in God, but uh, in our flesh, we don't run to God. We run to other people, or we want someone, someone who we can just talk to. Someone who we can uh, just kind of express our feelings about something. We're carrying something. We're burdened about something. We're frustrated about something. We're discouraged about something. Grace is, is I say to you, for, the, for us as people, more easily shown than the mercy and the action to do something about it. What am I going to do? The question for this morning is, are we merciful are we merciful obviously this could be applied in the sense of salvation that we would be merciful uh, to the lost that we would see the need be gracious but then merciful in showing them how that they can be brought to christ but we're talking this morning not about the lost being brought to christ though that is of importance we're talking about showing mercy to others are you merciful Mercy through concern. This is a sympathy in its literal sense. Experiencing things together with the other person. When we look at God himself, it was God who got right inside the skin of men. I mean, quite literally. God became man. <laughs> he became Jesus Christ. He therefore understands everything about us as men and women. When we get that splinter in our hand, he felt it just the same. God was 100% God as man, but yet he was still 100% man as God. 100% man and God at the same time. The Bible tells us mercy through concern. God was one of mercy. Turn with me to Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3, and we'll look together in verse number 5. Titus 3, in verse number 5. The word of God tells us concerning God himself. What did Jesus do for us? Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. By the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. The Bible tells us according to his mercy he saved us. I'll read to you in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. You don't have to turn there. The Bible says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him 
who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And that's where all the preachers and all the long-time Christians would say, Amen, we're peculiar people. We're chosen by God. We're to be different from the world. The Bible continues, Which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. I'm talking about the mercy of God. It is God who has given us grace and mercy. Mercy was God's choosing not to destroy us when he could have. Truthfully, when he should have. It was grace of God's providing of salvation. We put that in application for us today. In our relationships with others on this earth, it's one thing to be gracious. It's another thing to be merciful. Do we even have either applied? Are we gracious to those who don't deserve grace? Are we merciful and that we're putting that grace into action. We're showing an interest. You know, when we think of a, a unified church, a unified church is, in the body of believers, is that church. It's a body of believers who are both gracious and merciful to one another. That we go beyond the, how are you today? Beautiful weather, isn't it? How are things at work? We're choosing to get right inside the skin. <laughs> no, really, how are you today? Is there anything I can pray for you about? Boy, when was the last time we as Christians asked one another, here in this auditorium, we asked one another, what are some things that I can pray for you about? You say, well, that's right. we have announcements, Pastor. That's why I have a prayer bulletin. They're supposed to tell us. No, that's, that's not the mercy that we're talking about here. We're talking about happiness, which is promised to the Christian who gives mercy. And it's Paul himself who says it's more blessed to give than to receive, quoting Christ himself, that we would give. Not in the sense that Paul spoke, it was in the reference of, uh, of giving financially. But the principle is this, that, that which we give, the happiness that comes out of it, is not what we receive, but it's the fact that we can give. The happiness that God promises, blessed are the merciful, is those who are merciful to others in that joy of being merciful. The joy that comes out of being merciful. Mercy through concern. Oh, that we would be more concerned people for others, for our own brothers and sisters in Christ. That we would show an interest in one another. I'm, ta I'm not talking about a love interest, okay? I'm talking about a Christ a Christian relationship. Brothers and sisters in Christ. Let's get together sometime. Let's have fellowship with one another. Let's, let's go out and go fishing together. Let's go out and uh, go shopping together. Uh, let's go out and uh, um, eat together. Why don't you come over to my place tonight? Uh, what, what, are you, what are you doing this week? Can we get together this week? What are some things that you're going through? Oh, really? That's what, that's what happened? Really? Well, I'll pray for you about that. Are you serious? That happened to you this week? My goodness. What can I do? Is there anything I can do to help you? It's that concern. I think all of us, <laughs> all of us in our own flesh, it's, it's nice to know when someone shows that you care, right? But we all like that. I mean, who doesn't, right? It's when we feel like we're secluded and left to ourselves that we feel like something's not right. In fact, we don't even feel comfortable. Could, could I say to you, not just the lost, but even towards any Christian. That's many times why 
people even come to church, period. It's not to join the church. It's not to get involved in the church. It's not to uh, simply attend. It's because they're looking for grace and mercy. They're looking for someone who will show an interest in them. Christian, when was the last time you showed an interest in someone that went beyond the hello and the how are you? I say to you secondly, mercy through forgiveness. Mercy through forgiveness. We think in the general sense of mercy and that expression, that action of grace. But there's that level of forgiveness and we find that reference to it in Luke chapter 6. Turn there with me. Luke chapter 6 is the parallel passage of Matthew 5. What we find in Luke chapter 6 are details which Luke writes about concerning what Jesus said in that Sermon on the Mount uh, that were not spoken of or said from Matthew's writings in Matthew chapter 5. In Luke 6, in verse number 36, here we find Jesus speaking, and here, what does he say? Be ye therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. Verse 37, Judge not, and ye shall not be judged. Condemn not, and ye shall not be condemned. Forgive, and ye shall be forgiven. Now, context determines meaning. Sometimes we can read the English language and we can perceive it to mean something of that which it's not. Uh, my goal this morning is only to help to explain to you what Jesus is saying here. And ultimately it's that if we don't show mercy, if we, if we are to show mercy, we are to show it because we have received it. If we are going to show mercy, we show it because we received it. God has been merciful to us. But that second layer, now Jesus suddenly talks about forgiveness. Because when you think of our relationship with God and the mercy which He's shown for us, our relationship with man, yes, we are to be merciful. But mercy is directly linked into an attitude of forgiveness. Because truthfully, the hardest people to be merciful and gracious to are the people that are the hardest to get along with. How can I truly be merciful and gracious to him? Because do you know what he did to me? Do you know what she said about me? Do you know the kind of person that they are? You know, we've never gotten along. Our entire lives, we've never gotten along. Oh, well, goes, this goes all the way back to our families. Oh, you could look at, and we could give every reason in the book. Mercy through forgiveness. You see, when we consider the principle of mercy it's one that has an attitude and a heart of forgiveness towards those that have wronged us and in some cases towards those that we have wronged. Forgiveness. Do we have an attitude of forgiveness? Acts 24 and verse 16, And herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience, what? Void of offense toward God and toward what? Man. Because a right relationship with God is a right relationship with man. A right relationship with man is a right relationship with God. You can't say you have one that's right when one is not right. They both have to be right. It doesn't come naturally. You have to work at it. God promises the happiness is that which comes as a result of being merciful. I'm choosing to show a concern, but when the time is necessary, I'm choosing to forgive. And there's joy that results in being that individual. 
you know, when, when I think back to the times when I've had to apologize and say I'm sorry and actually use the words, will you forgive me? Though not very easily done at all. And beating around the bush and having a hard time even looking the person in the face when saying it. There's a peace and or a joy that comes as a result of clearing the air. I'm sorry, will you forgive me? Well, you did that on purpose. I'm sorry. I truthfully am. I really didn't mean to do it. Well, they did that to me. Well, have an attitude of forgiveness. You see, forgiveness goes two ways. Forgiveness is not just from the person who did the wrong. But it's from the person who did the wrong and the person who received the wrong. Because a person can have an attitude of forgiveness towards a person who's wronged them. And that person who's wronged them won't forgive them. And vice versa. The Bible tells us forgiveness. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 18, the word of God says, And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. It's a very profound theological word, reconciliation. You know what it means? It means to do absolutely all and everything necessary to make things right. Reconciliation. Before we consider any further, understand this, that there are some instances where you can't do anything more. And that person won't accept your forgiveness. But the right attitude of forgiveness is to continue to have that attitude that I have forgiven them. And I'm going to move on. The improper, incorrect attitude, as we might even call it, an attitude of forgiveness, but improper is when we've apologized and then they won't accept that forgiveness. And so now instead of remaining Content that we've done all we can, we instead let it breed and fester and, and, and swirl around. And before you know it, now we're bitter. Now we're angry, even at the thought of. Now, we can, now we're awkward, even around them. And the attitude of forgiveness puts all that aside. It's not about me. As God has been merciful to me, so I'm going to be merciful to others and though others have wronged me, yet I'm still going to choose to have a right attitude of forgiveness toward them. That's biblical. Amen? That's God's biblical pattern. I've used these no notes in my own life, and I've used them more than one time even in speaking, because forgiveness is so many times misconceived. We develop an, a, a mentality. We have developed a mentality Maybe some of it's culture, but ultimately it's in our own fleshly attitude of what forgiveness is. I want to give to you some things that forgiveness is not. First of all, forgiveness is not just an emotional response. Forgiveness is not just an emotional response. Just because there's tears and there's crying doesn't mean that's mercy. Mercy is that, that of an attitude of the heart. It's a personal choice. But just because you confront the individual and there's tears and you're crying and they're crying, true forgiveness is when we've forgiven each other, now we're going to move on to ha into happiness, and that which has happened is now in the past. Number two, forgiveness is not forgetting. Somebody says, well, wait a minute. If you forgive, you're supposed to just forget it. Well, you can't ever truthfully forget something, especially if it's hurt you bad. It it'll come back to mind. Sometimes it comes back in conversation. But truthfully, true forgiveness is one that, yes, I can't, in my own mind, 
forget that particular instance, but I'm not going to bring it up to hold it against whoever it is that wronged me, whatever relationship that wasn't right. You see, happiness will not result <laughs> in an individual's life if you take that instance and you put it in your little fanny pack <laughs> and you carry it around. Because that's how we do it sometimes. Here's something that happened. You know, uh, here's Brother Michael. He did this to me. Well, pfft, I'm not going to forget that. Oh, Brother Philip, definitely not going to forget that. Brother Tareen, my goodness, I can't even fit this in here. But boy, I'm not going to forget it. And that's what we do in our relationships. And, and we, we have all these things of all the different instances of, that, of how we dealt with people. But what if, I say to you, and this is the principle I believe Jesus was preaching on that Sermon on the Mount. What if the instances that we remembered of others was the times in which we were merciful? <laughs> we were gracious, and then we, by action we were merciful. Now, I remember, you know, there was Mr. Tree and I, we had that bump, but I tell you, though I can't forget it, I, we've had some sweet fellowship together. We always have gone, we've had time together, great conversations and talking with one another, and, 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 and you know, you fill in the blank. Uh, that person, I took him out to eat, we, were out, we go out all the time. They come over to my place all the time. We spend time with one another. I understand what he's going through. He understands what I'm going through. Can I remind you, by the way, it doesn't matter what relationship it is, if it's a relationship, you're going to butt heads. It's life, okay? It's life. You, you take any of us, it doesn't matter who you are, and you put us together, it's two sinners together. That's what a marriage relationship is. It's two sinners living in the same household. <laughs> the, the intent is that we would live as God intends for us to live and within our role, whether husband, wife, or not. But that we would live in this principle this morning with an attitude of forgiveness and or it's an action of mercy. I'm being merciful. Yes, I know they did wrong. Yes, I know they deserve wrong. But be gracious, that is loving, and be merciful in your actions to show God's ministry of reconciliation. I'm going to do all I can. If it means purchasing something, if flowers are involved, if chocolate is involved, if a meal out to, for lunch is involved, if a timeout for some outing is involved, whatever it takes, I'm going to do everything I can. The attitude of mercy. Forgiveness is not forgetting. Forgiveness is not just an emotional response. Forgiveness is not shrugging off the offense. Sometimes when someone wrongs us, we just, well, you know, we'll just forget about it. And really what we're doing is we haven't forgotten about it, but we just kind of brush it off. Well, you know, I, I know Seth and I, we had that problem with one another, but we still shake each other's hands, so it's not a big deal. But truthfully, an attitude of forgiveness is when we've gone so far as to say, you know what, Seth, we, we didn't have something. Is everything okay? I'm sorry if I offended you. I really didn't mean to. What am I doing? I'm, 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 I'm clearing the air. I'm having an attitude of mercy, forgiveness, to go out and go to buy... By my expression and my attitude of grace, to go out of my way, but now the mercy is, will you forgive me? I'm sorry. It's not just shrugging it off. Because we all know that in any relationship, if you just shrug something off, what does it keep doing? It keeps building up. And before you know it, we built walls between certain people because we can just think of all the things. And by the way, be careful that when... In a relationship, there's some friction. Something's not right. 
be careful not to be too much of a listening ear that you would only add to your things. Because sometimes the wall isn't even something that we built up because of something that particular individual did to us, but it's because of what somebody else is telling us about that individual, and now we believed it, and now we built a wall between us and that individual as a result of only what other people said. The Bible tells us an attitude of mercy, an attitude and or forgiveness is number four. It's not asking God to forgive the person who hurt you. It's not asking God to forgive the person who hurt you. Truthfully, God's already forgiven all of us, even before we even acknowledge our need. Amen? Amen. But if we're seeking to make a relationship right, we don't come to God on their account. That's between them and God. And if a relationship isn't made right, and, you know, here's Brother Nate and I, and we haven't made things right, and he won't accept my apology. Well, truthfully, I don't tell him this because it wouldn't be the right attitude of mercy to do so, but truthfully, how he responds is between him and God. He'll stand account before God for how he responds to that instance. But if I've chosen the ministry of reconciliation as God has had towards me, and I've done all I can to make things right, and I continue with a heart of grace and mercy and an attitude of forgiveness, I've done my part. And so it's not for me to get in his face and say, well, you didn't apologize, and boy, you're going to give account before God. That happens, unfortunately. And we have to put it right back into somebody's face and tell them, well, I'm not the one who's wrong because I did what I can to make it right. That's not mercy. The Bible tells us that forgiveness is not trying to understand why the person acted toward you the way they did. <laughs> I'll say that again. It's not trying to understand why the person acted toward you the way that they did. The question is always, why would you do that? You know, I just don't understand why they did that. Why, why in the world would they even think to do that to me? Do they not understand how that would affect me? They didn't even consider me at all. My was, I wasn't even of any thought. Forgiveness is not trying to understand why. Here, understand this. Here, here's what happens. Here's, here's the result of why things happen. Three-letter word. S-I-N. Sin. It's just sin. That's, that's why. And you know what Satan does? It doesn't matter if it was an... As, maybe it wasn't even a circumstance where somebody was intentionally after you, but it sure came across that way. But Satan takes all the thoughts, and rather than the Holy Spirit who should be working through your conscience and keeping the thoughts of godliness in your mind, Satan takes those thoughts and sticks them in your mind. Well, why? Did you see? Man, they won't even look at you now. Oh my goodness. They just, they have nothing positive to say. And all these thoughts begin to incorporate in our mind. We talk about that wall. Here are those bricks. They just keep building. The Bible tells us forgiveness Lastly, forgiveness is more than just actions, and we've already said that. It's a decision of the heart. What is that decision of the heart? It's a decision of the heart to show mercy. To show mercy. God says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. That obtaining mercy, in that second part of the verse, is God's reference to the very fact that we are to be showing forgiveness, accepting forgiveness. They shall obtain mercy. They're willing to receive mercy. They're willing to give mercy. They're willing to obtain it. They will obtain it. Happiness comes as a result of a merciful attitude. Let's every head bowed and every eye closed. Maybe there's not someone specifically that comes to mind, but maybe there's an instance that comes to mind, and there's an attitude that was not rightfully had according to Scripture. As